This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com MBO. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Regatta Outdoors. It's a glorious spring day and you're heading out on a walk. What do you bring with you? A paper map? Plenty of snacks? Well, of course they're important, but any seasoned hiker will tell you that footwear is the first thing to consider. Whether you prefer relaxed rambles or challenging summits, comfortable and reliable shoes are essential. Regatta has waterproof and breathable footwear for the whole family, for every outdoor occasion. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com. So welcome to the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast, the podcast as we call it. This is episode 10, the last in this current series. So the last opportunity for an escape into the wild outdoors for adventure. My name is Fergus Collins. I'm the editor of the magazine and host of this podcast. And as you can hear, I'm sitting by a river. It's the River Usk. And it's very late July. Glorious summer's day. Well, throughout this whole season of podcasts, well, three seasons of podcasts this year, we've experienced the changing of the seasons. And um, it's a strange time of year, really, if, as there's almost no bird song. You might be able to hear the odd your wagtail, grey wagtails and pied wagtails. There's lots of those around here. Um, I'm sitting on a sort of stony little beach, looking across to an island where there's lots of stony banks and wildflowers. And uh, the um, wagtails hunt amongst the... Yeah, I can see some now hunting amongst the stones. So, yeah, there's definitely a sense of after the Lord Mayor's show, a lot of the the birds have long stopped singing. And... Most have reared their young for the year. There's still some sand martins fledging young in some cliffs a little way, little sandy cliffs a little way along here. And there's a few birds of prey with young in the nests around. You can hear the buzzards mewing, the baby buzzards mewing rather sort of desperately for food. Um, But it's really a time of wildflowers and insects, lots of butterflies, lots of white butterflies. There's a lot of meadow browns. I can see on the island across from me tansy, little yellow disc, like the heads of myriad yellow discs, and buddleia, and there's um, willow herb, and all sorts of things. And um, it's a particularly beautiful spot here. 
and I've spent a lot of time during lockdown sitting beside this river. And in this current episode, I'd like to return to a bit of audio I recorded in spring, all about when, after the floods of winter, the usk had left lots of pools, swirled out, isolated from the river as the water went down, and these became breeding grounds, spawning grounds for hundreds and hundreds of toads, and it was a fantastic spectacle. So here's a little taste of what happened back in spring. So Idris knows the river is ahead and he's really beginning to pull on the lead. It's thirsty work dog casting, isn't it? But ahead I can see through an open gate a line of willows and alders which marks the line of the river Usk and uh, I'm hoping I'll come to a very special place there'll be no one else there but you never know what I'd like to hear today as I approach the river is um, Willow Warbler would be good begin to hear the ask. You might be able to hear the skittish, slightly eerie call of the of sandpipers. Just surprisingly small, surprisingly small birds that live on the, um, where I've arrived, the gravel banks almost like beaches. There, I see one, bobbing in the shallows. They nest on the gravel beaches here. They're basically waders. They keep Idris in close confinement. So I'm gonna describe the scene that's really exceptionally beautiful. I I think of this as my own river Amazon. The river comes from the west, round a bend. There's a huge shingle island with a few willows on it. It's very long, but the river breaks in two. It becomes quite shallow. Uh, on the island, lots of sandpipers nest, and other creatures as well. And there's a sort of sandy beach on my side, with several pools left over from the flooding. Uh, water mint all through the grassland here, among the celandines. And as I walk, I can smell clouds of this minty fragrance. Uh, So the wild island on the other side, I bet there are otters there. Um, But here, the river has created a sort of back eddy, a pool from the floodwater swirled, gouged out this deep pool. And it's full of it's like a, it's like the perfect pool for pond dipping. I brought my son here a couple of days ago, and the main attraction are spawning toads. Uh, there are great shoals of fish everywhere. 
The water is crystal clear, really deep. It must be four or five feet deep in the middle of this pond. The shoals of minnows and the, the bottom is sandy. There, that's the call of the sandpiper. Um, let's have a look. There's quite a few of these little back eddies around the place. So there are toads here, loads and loads of toads. Very boggy, boggy shoreline. Ooh, sinking up to my shins in the water here. Yeah, I can see toads in the water here. Deeper. There's a dead toad out there. Um, but there are several pairs. They're all different colours. Some are pale green, some are sort of terracotta red. Um, some are white. Some are normal sort of toady brown. Ah, oh, yeah, there's a whole ball of toads here. Wrestling around. It's almost like... Yeah. Oh, the poor female. So there's lots of little males. There's quite a few dead toads. I think this is what happens. They get into these great balls. I think the, the females are larger. And loads of males clamber on top and eventually they sort of suffocate each other. It's pretty unpleasant. Uh, pretty unpleasant sort of end, really. Yeah, there's... There's... there's no, oh. There's a lot of dead toads here, but it's not pollution. Absolutely enormous shoal of adult minnows has just swum up into this back channel. It's a biblical shoal. 500. It's lovely. Idris is having his welcome drink. So. Yeah, there's a few, it's sad to see a few dead toads here and there, but I guess they they add a bit of nutrients to this. So there, there are toads all along the bank with their little snouts out of the water, breathing. And then there are balls of toads writhing around in the water still. Um, it's amazing to see. And now here's a really, really lovely clear bit. Oh no, there's an eggshell in here. This is only about 18 inches deep, but I can see the toads just sitting on the bottom. These are the males, I think. Several of them there. Is that another dead one? No, just a stone. Um, yeah, this is eggshell. Looks like a sort of goose egg or hen's egg. The water's crystal clear, so the main flow of the river sweeps beside here, leaving the... Um, oh, there's a sand... No, it's not a sand packet, so... Hydewagter foraging on a little shingle island. Water gushes by, crystal clear, and makes these pools which the toads take advantage of. And there are str oh, strings and strings and strings of eggs in the margins. I hope they all hatch and I hope they uh, make a lot of toads to replace all these lost ones. But Amazing numbers of minnows. Yeah. There's a lot of toads writhing around. It's like you can see their little 
webbed feet. They swim really well. So toad's spawn is really, really fine strings. The dots are tiny, the little legs inside, but it's just, as opposed to the frogs, which create these um, big clumps of uh, eggs. These strings, oh, I'm not going to wade back that way. These strings are very elegant. Come on then, come round. He didn't want to come through the nettles, understandably. This is an absolutely miraculous place. There's flowering gorse above the... above the bank. And then the river has shaped these channels and pools and a beach. What's down here? There's fish trapped in a pool here. Not much I can do about them. It's a sort of childhood dream to be so surrounded by wildlife. So toads spawn everywhere. There are toads writhing around, some still riding, males riding individual females, just lying on the bottom. This is peak, or just past the peak of toad spawning. Uh, it's amazing, because two weeks ago, nothing here. No toads at all, no sign of anything. Now fish, toads, absolute incredible sort of numbers of wildlife. There's a bank here of full of little holes, little minor bees going in and out. And now we're on sand. A sandy beach. We can't get to the beach at the moment so we come here for our... and there's no one around. So I found a pool that's drying up here and I'm going to... and there's a lot of toad spawn in it. Um, Oh, and a big dead toad. So there's a lot of casualties in toad, toad spawning time. I'm going to scoop some of this spawn and put it in the deeper water. Now, a lot of it's hatched already here. Yeah, there's an incredible red-coloured toad. These are all common to, yeah, this is hatched, all this stuff. There's not a lot I can do. The little water measurers. So everyone's familiar with the um, pond skaters. These are little, like, tiny stick insects crawling across the surface of the water. Lots of, um, loads of little snails. Pond skaters, whirligig beetles. We caught a water scorpion yesterday which was, looks pretty scorpion-like. It's got these great jointed elbows with pincers. It looks deadly, although, and it's got a pointed sort of, it looks like a stinger. They're pretty harmless to humans, but I think they will take their toll on the toad tadpoles and other small, you know, small fish and other creatures living in here. So we get a bit of the song of the river. It's a really amazing place. I can see sandpipers. They're like little waders. Well, they are little waders. And they love these inland beaches. 
and they're quite common. Well, they're called the common sandpiper. So four and upper parts and fairly pale under underbellies. Yeah, it's a. They have an amazing sort of like wind a wind up skittish call. I could probably wade across the river now, but I'm not going to invade their homeland. Someone's had a party here, a couple of cans of Stella and a Strongbow. There, yeah, a little snatch of sandpiper phrasing. the sound of Idris running on sand. He loves it. He just loves it, doesn't he? Yeah. Nearly ran off with the wind jammer. Yeah, they just just get occasional bursts of sandpiper song or slightly hysterical winding up sound. Idris has drunk most of the river now. So I've walked out onto a little spit of land so I can gaze at toads more closely. They really are the most remarkable creatures. Something about that golden eye that they've got, it's frames this black, black, black pupil. It's kind of the most incredible looking eye in nature, I think. Just looking at one now. Yeah, there's no sort of recognition there, but they're fertling, several of them fertling along the bottom of this. It's like, a, it's like an aquarium looking into this pool. Great big logs have got trapped here. And the water filters through a tiny channel and the fish, there's a huge shoal of probably 500 small fish just hanging in this channel. Obviously this is where they're waiting for little tidbits of food. It's probably the most oxygenated bit of the pool. It's just like a fish tank. And on the bottom the toads, a myriad other life, like all sorts of things crawling around in the depths. Well, you can see why minnows are our most common fish. George Orwell liked the toad. He wrote a fabulous homage to the little warty wanderer. George Orwell on the subject of toads, 1946. The toad, unlike the skylark and the primrose, has never had much of a boost from poets. A toad has the most beautiful eye of any living creature. It is like gold. Or more exactly, it is the gold-coloured, semi-precious stone which one sometimes sees in signet rings, which I think is called a chrysobarrel. So that was George Orwell, a little bit of George Orwell, and, um, and Shakespeare had recognised that toads were, had a pretty special, incredibly beautiful eye in this little passage from As You Like It, where he talks about the toad having this one redeeming feature. Sweet are the uses of adversity, which, like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel in his head. And poor old toads, you know, they get, 
they get a bit of a bad press. Calling someone a toad <laughs> isn't, um, isn't a term of flattery. And that sort of comes through in the Philip Larkin poem, where he equates work to this toad in his life. Why should I let the toad work? Squat on my life. Can't I use my wit as a pitchfork and drive the brute off? So there you have it, toad in the holes. Absolutely fantastic sight to see so many of them there. And as the season progressed, a lot of the ponds dried up, so I tried to move as many tadpoles and spawn to the deeper pools. But huge numbers will have survived or certainly enough to replenish losses. And I really, really look forward to coming back next year. So I took a few handfuls of spawn back to my own pond, along strings of toad spawn, because so much of it would have just died as these pools dried out. And it all hatched and had lots of tadpoles in the pond. They did really well. And I was amazed how quickly they changed into toadlets. And these tiny, tiny little toads left the pond. But now I'm finding quite well-grown toads all over the garden and it's so lovely because they'll be munching on all sorts of things I think in fact um, toads are pretty unfussy about what they eat and I was looking in an old book of mine a new it's a new naturalist the reptiles and amphibians of Britain by Malcolm Smith from the early 50s a fantastic book beautifully written a real treasure and it's got some great stuff about how toads eat The food of the toad, wrote Newman in 1869, seems to consist of all living animals that are susceptible to being swallowed. It is a sweeping statement. Nevertheless, with a few exceptions, it is true. An examination of the stomach contents of toads shows that beetles and certain species of ants form a very large part of their diet. With other insects and their larvae, caterpillars, wood lice, worms and mollusks, etc., in small proportion. The amount of food that the toad can consume is astonishing. Some individuals appear to have no sense of repletion. A large Jersey specimen kept by Boulanger would swallow so many earthworms that after a time they were passed alive. The common toad is considerably more intelligent than the common frog and is regarded as the most intelligent of all the European amphibia. When placed on a table, they will look over the edge and seeing the drop to be taken, refuse the jump. A frog, on the other hand, will leap off anything, regardless of the consequences. And that's it for this series. Thank you very much for listening. And thank you to Hannah Tribe for voicing those extracts about toads all through this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the season. Please do send me your thoughts and any suggestions you may have. I'm always open to ideas. My name is Fergus Collins. You can email me at editor at countryfile.com I love receiving your emails, I love reading them and I try to respond to as many as I possibly can I'm currently recording the next series of podcasts and they will begin around about the end of September but I will do a preview of that in the meantime for now I'm going to have a little rest, a little summer holiday and I look forward to creating many more adventures as we get into autumn and winter So thanks for listening. This is the BBC Country Farm magazine podcast produced by Jack Bateman. Goodbye for now.
Whether it's gloriously sunny or a spring downpour, you can always get outdoors with Regatta. So what are you waiting for? Find a route, grab your walking shoes and start exploring. Regatta Great Outdoors offers all types of performance footwear, from technical hiking boots for regular ramblers to durable walking shoes for the whole family. With waterproof and breathable qualities, shock-absorbing comfort and superior grip, Regatta footwear is designed to withstand whatever challenges Mother Nature throws your way. Discover the range in stores nationwide and at regatta.com.